Hello, everybody, and welcome to Growth Caffeine by Pixis One. On this podcast, we simplify the role of artificial intelligence in marketing and interview guests that share tangible takeaways of how to implement AI successfully. And to do this, we speak to some of the world's foremost experts. On today's episode, we were lucky to be joined by Sudhir Rao, who is a serial entrepreneur and one of Asia's most well-known investors, and most recently, the managing partner at Celesta Capital, which is a venture capital firm that invests in disruptive technologies. With almost 40 years of experience, it's fair to say that Sudhir Rao has been there and done that. In this episode, we discussed how companies can leverage artificial intelligence to scale their marketing strategies. Sudhir also explains the role of artificial intelligence so clearly and shares how to identify where to deploy your AI and what data to consider while building your algorithms. Also, most of his AI advice is somehow really great life advice as well. You're going to want to tune in to see what I mean. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Sudhir Rao. Hey, Sudhir, thank you so much for coming on the Growth Caffeine podcast. How are you? Excellent. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. And today we're going to be talking about the broad level topic of AI and marketing and how AI can help scale marketing. But before we get there, we want to discuss the point of actually getting ready and preparing to scale your marketing. And through your incredible experience, honestly, looking you up, it's been incredible to see how much you've done. You know, being a founder with startups, being an angel investor, and now you're in your role with Celesta Capital. You've probably seen several companies scale their marketing very successfully, as well as several companies that haven't been able to scale successfully. And the question is, what do the successful companies do right at the beginning to scale their digital um, strategies, as opposed to companies that don't become successful with it? I think you've stressed on the word prepare. More often than not, most success happens when you prepare. Um, that itself often is not something that most people do well. And as they say, well prepared is as good as half done. One of the most important parts before you even think about marketing is making sure that you know who your audience is, uh, who you're likely to talk to or address. Um, and the, the difficult part that marketing needs to do is combine the gap or manage the gap between what the product or your service offers and what in your best estimate is what your consumer or your client wants to consume. Mm -hmm. And often there's a gap in that. And marketing essentially tries to fill that gap through a process of explanation, through maybe a jingle, uh, through uh, any form, any method. You can have just a single logo, you know, just a mnemonic. And you're supposed to communicate uh, so that that gap gets filled. If it's not clear, you can have a 50-page explanatory statement uh, attached to your product and hopefully your your client gets to know what you're talking about. But essentially, marketing is all about that gap that you've got to fill. Now, how do you therefore go about understanding what that gap is? How far apart are we? 
it's totally dependent on literacy uh literacy as well as the features and the set that the product or the service has to offer versus where the consumers are and that literacy differentiator is really what we're trying to prepare for right so in a sense if we knew exactly that difference that would be easy but it's an iteration that you have to start following through as to what do you think is the gap so how do you prepare that how do you understand that is a bunch of work right uh, and we can we can talk about that but i think i'd like to just summarize understand the gap and then mine the gap as mm. the tube would announce it on any tube station mine the gap there is going to be a gap there will always be a gap because these are not stationary on either side your customers are moving competition is moving and often your product or your service is not moving enough it's like the railway platform at that point in time now either you're jumping on or they're jumping off right so the gap will is 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 take it for a given but i think the important point is how dynamic uh you as an organization a you as individuals who actually manage the gap just understanding this point um let let's say you do have this gap and you've addressed the gap yes it's an ever changing gap that you constantly have to be dynamic to as you've mentioned but let's say for now you've got the gap and you're starting to acquire customers and you're you're at a point where now you're scaling you've got that initial traction the flywheel's moving how do you see and and how have you seen with the companies that you work with and the startups that you work with how are they specifically using artificial intelligence to scale their marketing i mean let's use intelligence as a word rather than artificial intelligence when you use the word artificial we're assuming that the inferences that we're going to draw are not yet mm, formed that's why mm-hmm. it's probably artificial for some time but the moment to transcend that situation and inference is spot on then it's less artificial in some fashion right so how do you consume the notion of uh finding that rhythm finding that harmony finding that specific tune that people will be able to tune into it's hard and therefore can you use minimum if there's some pre-existing conditions some pre-existing information some pre-existing data sets some unconnected connected structured unstructured sets of data and let a machine that we now get friendly with provide us the mash we don't need to worry about it i don't know it i want to find out if we're looking at enveloping different sets of data in order to find that right capsule that i am likely to consume that requires that mash and ai therefore is assistive in being able to compute around a set of pieces of data which otherwise i would have needed time and multiple experiences to have digested before 
uh, I can actually conclude. So what do machines help us with today? I can just go get all kinds of information, alternate information. And therefore, the notion of AI in marketing, which is probably the fastest way to think about marketing today, given the, the way consumers are changing at one level, competition is getting both born and decimated simultaneously. Yeah, because you have to compete for that nanosecond availability that consumers gave us uh, as providers. Because how long does it take for me to, you know, stop recording? If, it were, if I was in an analog world, it would take me a long time. But now it's just like, I can just do that and it's done, right? If I mm -hmm. want to not be on this podcast or my listeners don't want to be on the podcast, they just go there and then flip. So given that scenario, we need to compute. We need to get to clarity faster. And therefore, machines can be assistive in minding that gap. So that's how we think AI needs to get utilized because of a fast pace, the dynamic context that consumers live in. They don't live in a particular context for too long. And if we are trying to address our communication to manage that gap as we spoke earlier, then you have to also take into account that it has to be done in context. So I, I, I get that. And, and I have a few follow-up questions here in, in specific regarding to this context that you've put. Now, now, again, we're taking a little bit of a step back because we need to understand where to utilize AI, correct? We, we, under, we understand it's powerful and immense possibility and how it can replace, again, and how, how you said it can augment people's ability to test hypotheses. But how are you and how are you seeing companies that you work with utilizing it exactly? In what channels, in what areas are you seeing companies utilize AI to be able to test hypotheses at, at scale, especially with their digital marketing efforts, because there's so much to test? Yeah. If you take three uh, major pillars, right? One is insights. Insights is something that I've already digested, I've already experienced, or somebody else has experienced, or somebody has, else has got insights on. So the de minimis is start with back data, wherever you can find it. Ingest it into your setting, if you may, right? And therefore, there are certain engines that allow us to do this. And there's a certain amount of market intelligence that's available, some very static, some dynamic in some fashion, some real time. Uh, but whatever streams or sources that we can lay our hands on, we need to first do that. You know, when I was 40 years younger, I would have to pick up the thick map before I traveled anywhere, right? page by page, which showed us the roads. And we were lucky, at least that existed. If I were to travel to England, it would be very descriptive. It was all available. Mm -hmm. If I went to the US, it was all available. If I was in India, I didn't have a map. I would discover it. I would drive around and look around and, and then find it. And then soon came the computed form of all of this, which we now very comfortably use. Uh, and we almost don't step out without knowing about it, without really worrying that do we have a map or not. Uh, so that's one. And then you it's not good enough to say where are the roads. You want to now know, I want to stop for a burger. Can I get it? I want to stop for a pizza. Can I get it? How far away is the pharmacy? 
how far away is my South Indian food? Um, I need a pit stop. So all these data sets are now getting populated either through users generating them and producing them and provisioning them into one common repository, which an entity can host. Mm -hmm. So the notion of utilities, pretty much the way we consume power, the way we consumed uh, voice or data is now on data, right? And now we're coming to a sliver of that. You're saying marketing data, which is essentially picking up consumer insights, mm -hmm. checking the relevance of that, and now starts my communication. In my communication, I've got modus operandi. Right? So I've got so many ways to actually communicate. Before I even think about communication, I have to be creative about it. So should I do a podcast? Should it be a YouTube? Should it be what? Physical? Should I do seminars? Should I do workshops? Do I do one-on-one? -on -one? Um, do I send out a million people to go and sell what it is to take one spoon of detergent to wash a bundle of clothes? Or do you need so much powder? Or do you need muscle power to run a soap on it? All of which are different. All of which have had different forms of communication. I could use television as a, as a medium. After that comes medium. So the creativity of communication, again, narrows literacy. The creativity, the consumer insight, and then ultimately have to release this whole communication in context that you as a potential consumer are going to consume it. So when you look at all these aspects, they're all, you know, asynchronous. And we don't know whether it's all going to work. Therefore, you need to synchronize it. You need to bring it to some form of symmetry from a very asymmetric, asynchronous state. And that's where the notion of AI starts to play. Machines add to the flavor significantly. Compute as an engine starts to play. And so now you're really turning this entire thing on its head that I used to have a hunch. And by the way, the hunch is nothing but a lot of experience of either failures or successes that I can half remember it becomes my hunch. When I use the word my gut instinct, that means I've digested a lot of stuff before I could say my gut has an instinct. These machines can do. So you don't need to necessarily go through 40 years of life anymore, but you need to go through 40 years of compute. But not a one person, you can do it with a million people. So I can now have 40 million years of compute and make it available for every second, each time, anytime, every time. That's where we see the power of machine-led marketing. And that is really interesting from the sense that when you get that hunch that you just spoke about, when you get that gut instinct, like you said, it's based on data that you've collected over 40 years of life, and then you're making a decision based on that. But a lot of that data that you're consuming is coming to your subconscious and it's, it's unstructured. You're not really sure how exactly it's leading you to make X, Y decision, right? But with artificial intelligence, you have the ability to more control the data that's coming in, structure it, and then make decisions. And this is where the human comes in, right? When they're making the decisions at the very beginning of where to utilize the AI. Now, when you have so many insights tabs, like you said, there's so much data you can collect, you can start creating 
wrong hypotheses all over the place and be correct collecting data for no reason. How are you making sure where to collect the right data and what information to actually utilize to constantly iterate? Very good question. I think, I think this is where uh, any producer of a service or product needs to pause because I can make any product or service, right? I mean, I can wake up this morning and say, I've got an idea. But what do you want to execute? And what gap do you want to fill? And in that context, you start, when you start narrowing your, rather than widening or broadening, then you can answer your question. If my intent is to first widen and broaden my horizons, I will look at everything. I walk into, as a kid, I went into the Calcutta National Library, right? I got to see 10 million books. I had optionality for my life. But then I chose my path from that 10 million possibility universe that the universe gave us at that point in time. And then you need to double down because we know we have 10,000 working days and that's it. And so I have 10 million options, but I have 10,000 working days in my one single life. And I need to give as much as I can in that period. So every producer and all of us are producers with great potential. We need to take risk of making choices. So yes, everything is available but you can't necessarily go pick everything. So as long as we can identify the specific path or that atomic unit as we spoke about a little while ago, if we can find that, we're fortunate. Often it takes 40 years before you can find that uh, for many people. But if you're fortunate, and this is where guidance is important. And again, machine-led guidance, right? In the digital world today, I'm guided by a million apps. I may be more guided by 10 apps every day. But it's been helpful that the app infrastructure has made available the narrowing of choice and the speed with which you can make a choice. It doesn't mean that the choice has negative consequences. Of course, it can have negative consequences. But it allows you to come back. So we don't have to be scared about a negative event, a fallout anymore. Because you can again minimize the potential loss and you can narrow your bet and you can do it multiple times. So what today's world offers with all these um, bright minds who've flexibly codified stuff, right? For us to stay more flexible, not more rigid. That is really the power. If we become excessively rigid, then we could have atrophy. And I won't say it does have atrophy. Often, just having a spine is worth it because if you didn't have one, you'll be laid down on bed, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this combination that you've got to think about. Flexible enough and rigid in some parts. Make more rigidity, flex again. And learn as you earn or learn as you fail. But that's, it's, it's short steps. In a long journey that you should have chosen early on, because as I said, I have only 10,000 working days in 40 years. 
So, yes, there's a long horizon that I can get my thoughts around, but the way I go about it is a 10,000 failed experiments, if need be. Got it. So just to make sure I have it very clearly, you're saying start with a lot of tests. Test as many variables as possible and constantly refine and get down until you find that one variable that is really moving the needle for you. That's perfect. At that time, be willing to break it again. Because you have to disrupt it. You know, in, in a visit to Kyoto in Japan, I learned the lovely concept of ka, which is identifying a systemic view till it becomes perfect, right? This whole repeat, reiterate, uh, redefine, but find the perfect system. And so you make this beautiful porcelain, which you just never want to give up because it's so beautiful. Nothing ever has been made as beautiful as this. It's handcrafted. It's, it's gorgeous. So after a million cups, I've got the best cup. And then comes the notion of impermanence. And it's for the maker of that most fine porcelain or finest craft to actually drop the cup and let it break. Pick up the pieces and then it'll look like a rough and tumble. And they call it wabi-sabi. And they make a cup in a not-so-perfect way. It looks imperfect, but it's as beautiful. So AI allows us to think like that. Marketing and sales is a rhythmic function, yet it's very melodic because results sometimes have atonal outputs, sometimes have great harmony, sometimes have, you know, I can't deal with this tune anymore. So the rhythm, the drone um, is, is, is important. Machines will give us that part of it. You know, so there, that's great life advice, not just great business or AI advice. Just be ready to constantly just throw your, all of your expectations away and restart and constantly innovate. And I want to end on this question, Sudhira, and it's, the, it's around the idea of personalization in marketing. What role do you see personalization, especially at scale, involved in the future of marketing? I really wonder whether there's anything other than personalization in the future of marketing. So I wonder what that universe might look like as the universe we came from. You know, we grew up with very few things available. But life has turned on its head. Um, I feel like having a red and black pen and I order it and it's here in 24 hours. I feel like having a blue color pen, I get it. I wanted a blue, red, and black, I get it. So somehow personalization has become interesting and interestingly um, a sort of threatening everything of the past. Um, how will this end up as cost structures to us just because we want to be personalized? Will it actually change my cost structures? Will it improve my value structures? That's the only debate you have. But personalization of marketing, sales, product, performance is, you can assume, a given.
How is that going to be done? The do how? It's not only the do why. It's, it's, it's the method we're going to adopt. I think it's a mix. As I call it, you know, if you see, uh, we played with Lego blocks. Mm-hmm. And the beauty is the partnership model of Lego allows kids who watch Star Wars to construct Star Wars. Those who kids who prefer Avengers will construct Avengers. Uh, but somewhere the underlying blocks are common. Mm. And the creativity is allowed individually. The insights are drawn and put into blocks. And the performance is each child expressing their universe. So if I think about marketing, it's going to be a combination of insights that become machine-led, creative, also machine-supported, and performance machine-lent. So there's automation in delivery. There's automation in what to do. There's automation in how to do it. But the beauty will be that us as human beings will have this optionality. And therefore it will look personalized, but underneath there are blocks that we can leverage, benefit from, utilize, not be constrained. So the whole, you know, to put it over here, we're talking data. So the whole data engineering models will change. The apps will get free. They won't be stuck. The pipes that provide the data can be free. So you'll see a very different, um, at one level, hyper atomization. But then when it all comes together, it looks like hyperscale. It's pretty much how the universe is. We're billions and billions of cells. But we all look like a few human beings. Just seven billion of us. It's hardly anything. I, I love the way you've put that. And just to address your, your first point of what would the world look like if there wasn't personalization, I think that those companies who don't adopt it will not be able to be successful, just like you're saying, because there are several companies, several startups that are utilizing this to make the experience feel so one-on-one. -on -one. Even like you say, there are blocks of data that, that these companies are using to personalize it, but it almost feel like, feels like it's just coming to you. If you search something on Google or said something around your phone, Facebook is personalizing an ad to you based on that data and it converts, which is why it's consistently growing and which is why companies are consistently utilizing personalization. And I think, um, so there, that's a great place to wrap up. I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We've learned so much from you. Thank you. It's one, it's great talking to you and thanks for those, uh, well-thought questions. They've allowed us to speak to each other rather than just call it a podcast. Thank you, Sudhir. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of Growth Caffeine. See you all in the next one. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really hope you took some tangible points away from this conversation that you can begin to implement immediately into your marketing strategies. Also, make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode with the foremost marketing experts on the planet. This podcast was brought to you by Pixis One, 
We're an AI-led marketing cloud headquartered in San Francisco. With a robust portfolio of products, Pixis One enables brands to perfect their end-to-end marketing efforts using artificial intelligence. If you would like any more information on what we do, please visit our website. The link will be in the show notes below. Thank you all and see you in the next episode.